everyone, and welcome to 7 Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology. But the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but was matched with on Podmatch. I mentioned last season, it's a new tool I'm using to find guests. She's an author and a public speaker, as well as a TV host and a founder of a nonprofit, which I'm sure she'll tell us more about. It's Janice Liggins. Welcome, Janice. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Sure. So I uh, I live in Maryland, originally born and raised in Maryland. And I am at a vibrant, at, I'm a baby boomer <laughs> at the vibrant age of 72. Wow. Um, I am a mom, a granny. I have seven grandchildren, really, two two children. And um, more importantly, I'm a child of the Most High God. That's awesome. What part of uh, Maryland are you from? Bowie. Oh, yeah, sure. I um, went to Catholic University for my um, degrees in D.C., so I'm familiar with the, that's right, you know, maybe about, are you like about a half hour outside of D.C. or so, 40 minutes? Yeah, no, about about a half hour, not even, maybe not even a half hour, depending on what part that's of awesome. D.C. Well, from the district, from the district line, it's no more than 20 minutes, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time in D.C., more on the Virginia side. I am in Richmond now, so I stayed in the D.C. area and that kind of made my way down to Richmond, but very familiar with that area. And that's awesome. I can't believe uh, you're a baby boomer and you are adventuring into podcasting and television. I don't know if you want to say a little bit more about your your TV show or your nonprofit. So the nonprofit is, well, first I had a business. I did business development services for companies that wanted to get contracts with the federal government. And I did that for years. That's how I made my living. And I actually ended up, I had six employees and um, things were going really well. I was thinking to, instead of helping other companies get contracts, I was going to get them myself uh, for my own company. And I was going after certain certifications and all of a sudden, everything, doors just started shutting uh, left and right. But This other door, I was invited to participate in a program, a leadership program. It's called Leadership Maryland. And that one I felt God orchestrating. And I, and so I was, that was in 2010. So I say that 2010 was tumultuous yet beautiful. And it was tumultuous because all of the doors that I was trying to go through started shutting. But here's this other new door that's just wide open and I'm drawn to it. And that new door was a new world. And that world was all about prisons and and mass incarcerations and jails and and and, and nonprofits. And I knew nothing about any of those. <laughs> I, didn't, I couldn't tell you the difference between a jail and a prison or where one was located. And I had never volunteered for a nonprofit except my church. And but, you know, in, in, in the Bible, God told Abraham to leave all that was familiar and, he, and go to this far distant land that God would show him. And Abraham obeyed. 
And that's how I felt God was doing me. I had to leave all that was familiar, the business, the government contracting arena. I had to leave all of that and go into this far distant land called nonprofits and mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew nothing about it. So that was in 2010. So the 2011, I spent the whole year, the entire year researching because I needed to learn I, I knew, and so I went from knowing nothing till at the end of 2011, I thought, okay, I've got this. And I created a PowerPoint presentation and I went on speaking engagements talking to people. And so I went from knowing nothing to, you know, I, I mean, I was a presenter. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was really great because I figured if I didn't know any of that information, then a lot of other people didn't know. And I, it was my quest to begin to enlighten the community, basically. And that's what I've been doing. Um, that was in 2010, and so that's what I've been doing. But now, uh, and it's gone really well with the nonprofit, but then um, I was in my kitchen one day, minding my own business, <laughs> and the Lord said, write a book. He gave me the title of the book, but the title went right by me because I was still stuck on write a book. And I immediately said, Lord, I have nothing to tell the people. So I ask you to write the book through me. And he did. The title of the book is Journey to Your Calling. And the title meant nothing to me when the Lord first gave it to me. It didn't mean anything to me until after I had written, finished the first draft. That's when I realized, wow, this doesn't apply just to me. This applies to everybody. And the reason I say it applies to everybody, and it's called Journey to Your Calling, is the name of the book. God has put each one of us on this planet. And he's given all of us as Christians, we all have the same purpose. As Christians, our purpose is to be Christ-like and to be examples in the earth of God, because people who don't know God can't see him. They can only see God through us. So we're to be Christ-like examples in the earth. We are to be the light of the world, and we are to be the salt of the earth. So all of us have that same purpose, and we all have the ministry of reconciliation. That's the purpose for each of us, lead others to Christ, be the salt in the the earth, be the light of the world, and um, be a godly example. Our calling is totally different. Our calling is unique to us as an individual. God has put each one of us on this planet for us to carry out a specific task or a specific assignment. And that assignment will be our calling. However, most people are so caught up on the natural part of their lives. You know, they're going to school, going to work, shopping, raising families, cleaning the house. We're so caught up on the natural part of our lives that we forget that we are spirit. God is spirit and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we get so caught up in the natural that we forget we're spirit. And if you look at a person who's dead, you can talk to that body all day long. It's going to just lay there because the body is nothing. The body is just our transportation on this planet. When the spirit leaves the body, the body is worthless. And so we are spirit. We're not our body. We're not the flesh that you can see. 
But most people f lose the sight, lose, they never get the hang of the idea that they are put here to carry out a purpose and how to find that purpose because they're so caught up on the natural. God doesn't care how big our house is, how fancy our car is, how much money we have, how much or we don't have, what kind of career we have, how many degrees we have. He doesn't care about any of that. He only looks at the heart. He only looks at our heart. And are we listening to him? Are we obeying him? That's all he cares about. So the book is all about how to journey to your calling. It's a guidebook. It's like a roadmap. Well, thank you so much, Janice, for sharing all of that. We definitely will give you some time at the end to tell us a little bit more about your book, but we're here to talk about scripture. And so I would love for you to read the verse that you have picked for us. You have picked Psalm 37, verse four. So whenever you are ready, I'm going to have you read that verse for us. So Psalm 37, four says in the King James Version, it says, delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Okay, so my translation is a little bit different, but sim similar sentiment. So my translation is just says, find your delight in the Lord who will give you your heart's desire. And we can talk about maybe the difference in the translations, but I want to give a little bit about uh, the kind of the psalm itself. So Psalm 37, the heading for it says, the fate of sinners and the reward of the just. And so I kind of did a little bit of research and the footnotes that I have on Psalm 37 said that the people at this time, which were in the time period, a lot of the Psalms are written, even though they're attributed to David kind of during the time of the Babylonian exile, but they are, the people at the time were questioning much as we do today, why the wicked seem to maybe prosper, yet the just or the fair suffer. And I think that's still something that we question today. Um, and this psalm only kind of somewhat answers that question, saying that God will reverse this one day, hopefully when we get to heaven, you know, that we will be rewarded for the good and the justice that we do on earth. I've talked about in my first season of this podcast, Psalm 119, and my guest um, for that episode pointed out that some psalms are written kind of in an acrostic type poem and follow the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And this poem, if you look at Psalm 37, kind of has that. It has like it starts with different sections, which each section is kind of the letter of um, or an acrostic for uh, the Hebrew alphabet. So that's just kind of interesting to me. Um, but my question for all of my guests, the first question is, why did you choose this passage? Out of all the passages in the Bible, why this verse? Because I have uh, most people totally misunderstand this verse. Everybody I have ever heard reference this verse has used the verse meaning whatever you want, just pray and ask God for it mm -hmm. and he will give it to you. You know, whatever, whatever your heart's desire is, right. ask him <laughs> for it and he will give it to you. And that is not at all what that verse means. Mm -hmm. It says delight. First thing is delight thyself in the Lord. So there's another, um, there's another point I want to make real quick, and I'll come back to this. God has made many promises throughout, his, throughout the scriptures, but some of those promises have conditions to them. And so in the book, I even say God has made many promises, and his promises he will keep. But when the promise has the condition, the condition you must meet. So this is actually one of those promises with a condition. 
The promise is he shall give you the desires of your heart. The condition is delight yourself in the Lord. So first we have to delight ourselves in the Lord. Then he will give us the desires of our heart. Well, what does delight thyself in the Lord mean? That we find joy in serving him, joy in worshiping him, joy in praising him, joy in obeying him. So we are obedient. We're faithful. We are. Um, we find joy in serving. We don't f- count it harsh that we sacrifice. Jesus lived a sacrificial life. So are we to live a sacrificial life. And so when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he shall give us the desires of our heart. I have an interpretation of what that means too. It happened to me. The desi- giving us the desires of our heart, God will actually give us the desire to do what he wants us to do. So it's not what we want that he will give us. It will He will give us what he wants. He will plant in our heart his will for us to do the task he has put us here to do. But we won't get that until we got, we've gotten to the point where we actually delight ourselves in serving him. I think that's a really good point. I, I think you're right. I think a lot of us tend to interpret this verse as like, okay, I'll pray and God will give me whatever I want, my, my heart's desire, right? But I think you're right. I like how you point out that this is kind of conditional, even though God's love is unconditional, there are, you know, there, it's kind of like a a give and take, you know, you give me your trust, you give me your service. I love how you mentioned sacrifice if we're modeling ourselves after Christ. And then I like how you said that he will give us that desire, you know, it's, it's what, because you're talking about purpose, right? Your whole, you mentioned your, your book that our, our calling and our purpose, it's, it's given to us. Yeah. And it's given to us by God or our purpose is to serve God. And then our, our calling, he gives us kind of those tools of how we can serve him. In the Catholic Church, we talk a lot about vocation. And so our vocation could be to be married, to be single, to be religious, like a priest or a nun. But I also believe like for right now where I'm at in my life, I'm a teacher. And I feel like my teaching is kind of like a calling. It's the way that I can serve him in school by teaching kids scripture. Or right now also, I believe he, we talked a little before we started hitting record that like, we'll, we'll just kind of, I'm going to do this podcast until I don't feel like it serves God anymore until he tells yeah. me not to to do it anymore. Right now, I feel like it's right now a vessel for him to either speak to me or for me to speak to uh, like him to speak to others through me. Um, and so I feel like this could be a calling right now too. I don't know if you agree with, with that. Well, I, I, I look at calling, a calling really has nothing to do with a choice we made. It has nothing to do with anything we decided or chose to do. Our calling uh, has has nothing to do with our degrees, our education, has nothing to do with anything that we do. Our calling is what does God want to you? What has God ordained for you to do? What has God planted you on this planet to do? And we don't learn that until we live in a place where we delight ourselves in him. And And delight means different things, I guess, for different people. But when mm-hmm. God says delight, he goes, he's a hundred percent. He's not, you know, he, you, I mean, just, you have to go full throttle. What kind of things do you think to, if we're going to try to delight in the Lord, 
what kinds of things can we try to do? Or what do you think that looks like for us to go full throttle and to give ourselves like, what does that look like maybe? It means when people are mean to us or nasty to us or disrespectful to us or whatever, we cannot, we can't do tit for tat. We can't do to them what they did to us. We can't be spiteful. We have to always have a pure heart. I asked the Lord every day. My, I did this since I was like in a teenager. My father is the most righteous man I've ever known, bar none. And I would ask him, Dad, how do you please the Lord? And he said, ask God to search your heart and remove anything that does not please him. And so I've been praying that since I was a teenager. And in addition to searching my heart and removing anything that doesn't please him, I also ask him to search my mind and my thoughts and, and remove any thought that does not please him and give me the mind of Christ. So I ask him for a pure heart and to give me the mind of Christ. And so one day I used to be so bothered when people would be mean or nasty. And I was like, God, why would they act like that? Why would they do that? Why would they say that? And he told me one day, he says, I hold you 100% accountable for everything you say and everything you do how you act, and more importantly, how you react. But I don't hold you at all accountable for what anyone else does. Well, that was very liberating to me. That was very freeing to me. Because so I stopped worrying about why other people did what they did. Mm -hmm. Just like he holds me 100% accountable for everything I do, he's going to hold them 100% accountable for everything they say and do as well. So rather than me focus on why other people act ugly, I'm able to see that they are just in, they're acting that way because they're just in a dark and ugly place right now. It doesn't mean they're wicked or evil. They're just letting the devil use them at that moment. They're just in a dark and ugly place. And I would not want to be in that dark and ugly place. So I can actually pray for them while they're being mean and ugly. They don't mm -hmm. see me praying or hear me praying because I pray in, in my head, my heart. But that was very liberating to me. And so the God is only looking at us. So what kind of things can we do? We have to be transparent to God. God knows every thought we have before we have it. He knows when we want to do something or don't want to do, if we want to sneak and do something we know we're not supposed to, he knows that. We can't hide anything. So we might as well be straight open with them. <laughs> and so it it really is all about guarding our heart, everything we say, and the motive behind why we do things is more important than what we do. Mm -hmm. I think it's well said. I'm curious, you mentioned a nonprofit that you started or that you had researched a lot about prison ministry and incarcerations. Do you see this a connection with this verse and maybe the ministry that you do, or I don't know if you want to speak a little more about um, that nonprofit that you're the work that you do. Well, yes. I, two years before I started the nonprofit, when I was still working the business, I was in a state of spiritual perception, like never before. All of a sudden I just, it's like I could see beyond the visible and, and that's basically discernment. And I do have the gift of, of um, discernment. And I wasn't sure what I was seeing. I mean, I, I was just perceiving something is wrong. 
something is wrong. And I don't, didn't know what it was, but I knew it was pervasive. And I mentioned this organization, Leadership Maryland, that I participated in the same year that all the business side was shutting down. And the organization I was participating in, Leadership Maryland, I saw God working with me through that. It was a year-long program. We got together every month and for two and a half days. So for two and a half days a month, I had to pack my bags and, and we were all gone. There were 52 of us in this program. And I didn't understand what was going on at the time, but I knew God was doing something. Um, even when I met with that group for the first time, we met in orientation and none of us knew each other. All of us were considered leaders from around the um, state, all from around the full state of Maryland. And we were to introduce ourselves at the orientation. He says, tell, tell everybody something about yourself nobody knows. And different people said different things. And I want to climb Kilimanjaro. Or when I was small, I bit off the tip of my tongue. They said I'd never speak correctly. Just different things. And so when he got to me, he asked me, so tell us something about yourself nobody knows. And I didn't know what I was going to say. I also have the gift of exhortation. An exhorter just opens their mouth and they expect the Lord to speak. And I didn't plan what I was going to say. So when he came to me and says, tell us something about yourself no one in the room knows. I said, I love to be led by the Holy Spirit. And then I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, I don't know these people. This is not a church. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I, was, I was thinking that, but I never, I never cringed. I just said, you know, oh, well, it came out. It's like, okay, God, we're on. Meanwhile, the facilitator says, oh, so you love to be led by the Holy Spirit. And why is that? And I said, because it's always an adventure. And that's how I feel. I feel like I'm on this big adventure. People would ask me when I was do research on the statistics for prisons, and they would say, doesn't it depress you? Doesn't it just, you know, and I said, on the contrary, it doesn't depress me at all. It, it invigorates me. It energizes me. It fuels me. And I think that's because God made me to be, to handle this. Mm -hmm. All that I've gone through all of my life has been a preparation for me to do this work. And so it, that's why it fuels me. Just like somebody who's an undertaker. I've always wondered, why would somebody become an undertaker? Mm -hmm. But God has purposed them to do that too. That, you know. And so I think that um, even with me, I did delight myself in the Lord. I was living the life. I can remember when I used to not say, thy will be done. I would not say that because that was... A long time ago, thank God. <laughs> but I wouldn't say it because I knew I wanted to do A, B, and C. And I didn't know if he wanted me to do A, B, and C. So I wouldn't say thy will be done. But over the years, the more we learned to, to trust God and love God and obey God, the more we learned, the more we obey him, actually, the more we will then trust him. And then the more we will love him. Mm -hmm. Obedience mm -hmm. has to come first. Obedience births trust. We say we trust God because he's the big guy in the sky, right? Mm -hmm. We say we trust him. But when he asks us to do certain things, do we do them? 
Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a great point. I think that is a, a check for ourselves. Absolutely. I think that's like a hard, that's maybe a hard truth for some of us to, to say like, yeah, I trust God. But then, right, if we're asked or presented with certain things, like, do we really say yes? As we wrap up, we're getting a little bit close here. I just wanted to kind of go back to something when I was doing my research for this verse, the people at the time were in exile or it was, this was probably around that time period where there was definitely uncertainty. And I think right now all of us can relate to there's a lot of uncertainty in our world <laughs> right now because of COVID and and just our the, the divisiveness in our country. I just I think it's so interesting that these the book, you know, these books are written so long ago, yet they give us still so I mean, this this message of why do the wicked get rewarded and yet the just have to wait for our reward. I feel like that's still something that we struggle with today. I don't know if you wanted to speak at all to that message that that kind of is the historical message, but also applicable today. Well, we we cannot look at the world and what's going on in the world as a roadmap or as a guide for us at all. The Bible says that, you know, the, the sun shines on the just and the unjust. And so it just, that they're going to get their day. They're going to one day have to account for everything they did. So this goes back to me, why, when I was on trying to figure out why people would be mean to me or why people, now I don't worry about that anymore. If we focus on God and what God wants and what God's word says and how we are to work with him and obey him, that's a full-time job right there. And so I don't worry. When I see people who are wicked and they seem to be thriving. It's just temporary. Yeah. As we um, wrap up here, are there any like kind of last things you want to say either about the verse or at the end, I also give people an opportunity to plug more about their projects. So I don't know if there's anything you kind of want to say here as we wrap up at the end. Well, I encourage uh, everyone. The Lord has told me that I am to do in addition with this book, I am to do uh, classes on how to journey to your calling, and that I'm actually even to become a journey coach. And I've spoken with several people. I've, I've had people ask me to be their journey coach as they're going through various situations and, and trials to help them work through it. When we go to the gym and we lift weights, we lift weights because those weights will make our muscles stronger. It requires a lot of effort, yes, but we know that effort will make our muscles stronger. Well, God uses trials and tribulations as spiritual barbells to strengthen our spirit man, to make our spirit man stronger because we are spirit. So at the beginning of every trial, ask God, what is it you want me to know? What is it you want me to do? And what is it you want me? How is it you want me to be? Thank you, Janice. I think you've given us a lot to think about for sure about this verse. And um, thank you for sharing your story and just your spiritual reflections. Is there Where can we find your website or your book? Where can we find you? Well, the book is titled Journey to Your Calling and just add .com. And if you visit the website, you can actually click on the About tab and you will see what we call a flip book where you can actually flip the pages in the book and you can start reading. You can see the forward and the introduction, the table of contents. You can see what pre-release readers have said. And you can even start reading chapter one. And you can order the book as well, right, from our website. When you do order the book from our website, the book will be autographed. 
Awesome. Well, thank you all. Thank you so much for being here. And if you would like to find more information about me, um, you all can find me on uh, Instagram at Seven Mile Chats, all spelled out. I'd love to chat with anybody, or if anyone is interested in being a guest, you can find me on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter at Miss Struckley One, M S S T R U K E L Y One. And again, I'd love to hear from people there what you think about the podcast, or if you'd like to be a guest. And once again, Janice, thank you so much for being here and sharing a little bit about your story and your journey with us. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate being here. I really do. Bye, everyone.